So I want to start by obviously wishing a uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers in here. And I thought it would be a very appropriate thing to do to start with some corny dad jokes, all right? So if you guys know what dad jokes are, just think of corny jokes that nobody laughs at. That's a dad joke. So let me give you a couple, all right? Number one, what do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? All right. What state has the most streets? It's kind of easy. Rhode Island, obviously, all right? Why do bees have sticky hair? Because they use honeycomb, all right? Yeah, these are bad, all right? And then here's, this is my favorite one. I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. Get it? All right, all right. So on that note, let's go ahead and read James 1. We're going to read verses 19 to 27. Out of respect for God's word, if you don't mind, we'll stand together. Um, If you don't have a Bible, the scripture is on the screen. If you do have a Bible, awesome. Also, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair behind you. So, all right, we're going to read James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. Here we go. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at himself, or I'm sorry, like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. He looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You may be seated. All right. I want to start by just telling you a quick story. uh, In college, one of the benefits we had of the college that I went to is that we had a Walmart about three minutes away. So any, uh, anything we needed, we could just quickly go to Walmart. And one day, me and my buddy Keith were there. And if you ever go to Walmart, one of the best things they have there is they've got those discounted movie bins, right? You've seen these? Where it's like $5 movies. And I just go, oh my goodness, what treasure are we going to find today? So my friend Keith started diving into this bin. I mean, he's like head deep. He's trying to find the ones at the bottom. And right as he's, as he's looking in there, my other friend... Uh, John comes walking up, and John is with his girlfriend, and my friend Keith didn't see him because of his uh, exploring for treasure. And, and, I, and jokingly, I looked at Keith, and I was like, hey, what do you really think of John? <laughs> like this. Well, Keith didn't know John was behind him, and Keith began to tell me everything he thought of John, and it was awful. <laughs> like, it was so bad. He goes, he goes, well, John ain't funny. He thinks he's funny, but he ain't funny. Uh, I, I mean, I don't like being around him. And I mean, he just starts saying all this stuff, and I'm like, Oh, man, okay, and I'm getting, I'm getting, it's really awkward, which I like awkward moments, so I was kind of loving it, actually, but but I was like, man, this is crazy, and then finally, um, Keith kind of sits up and sees John, and he just goes, oh, plus, uh, he ain't a Christian, (laughs) oh, hey, John, like, pretending like it was all, you know, just a joke, and so my friend John was like, all right, see you guys, so he walked away, and Keith looked at me, and he goes, you jerk, (laughs) how could you do that to me, and I said, I am so sorry, all right? And the thing was, my friend, uh, my friend John heard these words from Keith, and, and, and you know, we all know that words have power, right? Words have power. What you say to people can really mean a lot. In fact, I find it interesting right now what's happening in our world today 
uh, around words, right? People are changing the meaning of words. Some words don't even have any meaning anymore. There's a documentary that just came out called uh, What is a Woman? And the whole documentary is this guy just going up to people in the transgender community and saying, can you just define what a woman is? And none of them can do it because they, they say, well, a woman is what I want it to be. And, and, and other people say, well, I, I, can't, I can't say what a woman is because I'm not a woman, right? And, and I mean, guys, we had a nominee for the Supreme Court of the, of the highest court in the land when asked, what is a woman? Can you define a woman? She said, I can't do that because I'm not a biologist. So, I mean, we're, we're living in times where people are getting in trouble for saying words that have never been offensive until now. For instance, you can't say breastfeeding anymore. It's chest feeding. You can't say Mother's Day anymore, it's birthing people's day. You can't say mankind, it's people kind. And I remember somebody in Congress did this. He was like, and we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen, and a women. And we were all like, wait, what? So, I mean, this happened in Congress. Anybody here ever read the book 1984? Anybody ever heard of this book, right? I can't recommend you read it. It's, it's not the most wholesome book. But the premise of this book is that they're living in this society where the government controls everything. Um, in fact, what they would do is they would go back to old history books, and they would rechange history so that it fit their narrative. They would take words, and they would change these words to fit their narrative. And this department that would do this was called the Department of Truth. It's pretty ironic, isn't it? And you know... I look at this stuff, and guys, I'll be honest, I see this happening today. Like, I, I, I said this to my wife the other day. I was like, it's like we're living a real life 1984, right? It's crazy. Uh, and this is extremely dangerous because there's no unity in this, all right? Our attack on words, all it does is cause division. It's like we're living in a modern-day Tower of Babel, right, where all, the, all, all of us are speaking different languages. And what's really dangerous about it is it alters truth. If we, can't, if we can't agree on basic words, like what a woman is, how are we going to agree on bigger issues, right? So more than ever, I think this is a problem because people need to hear the truth. Um, the good news is the truth, the real truth doesn't shift, okay? The real truth doesn't change to fit a narrative. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about a truth that doesn't change. Uh, the truth that I'm referring to are words that are consistent. It's words that will never leave you astray. And this attack on words that is happening is not just happening on our vocabulary. You guys realize it's happening to God's word right now. There's an attack on God's word, all right? And we as Christians, we've got to stand up because this, the, the words in our Bible here will never lead us astray. They will never shift. They are always consistent, okay? So what I want us to do today is we're continuing a series that I started a, a couple. I don't get to preach in here often, right? But the last couple times that I did, we started a series, and it's called, Do You See What I See? And this is a question that I want you to imagine that God is asking you, saying, do you see what I see? It's a study through the book of James in which we're just going through. Funny enough, I started at James 2. I didn't think I was going to get to preach more in the series. And then Frank was like, do another one. I was like, all right, well, I better, I better finish two. And then now I jumped back to one, and now we're doing the second half of one. So if you didn't get to see the other sermons, it's on our YouTube channel, Genoa Church. You can check them out there. But we're going through the book of James, and I'm convinced that James, the whole purpose of this book is he wants us to see things the way God does. Week one, we talked about, or the first time I preached, we talked about how uh, do you see people the way that God sees people? Because a lot of us don't, right? The second week, we talked about do we see faith the way that God does? Last time, we talked about do you see your trials and your tribulations? Like, do you see those the way God does? Well, tonight, here's the question I want to start by asking, and it's this question right here. It's, do you see God's word the way God does? Do you see God's word the way God does? Now, I gave you a bulletin, or you have a bulletin there, and there's some notes. You can fill those out, all right? But this is a question that I think is very important to answer, because there is nothing more important to the Christian today than God's word. 
There's nothing more important than God's word. It's the standard by which we live our lives. God's word shows us exactly who God is. It tells us how to live holy lives. Without God's word, we cannot grow closer to God. Okay? This is why we have to see it. The, the problem that I see with a lot of Christians nowadays is that we simply just don't love God's word enough. You guys agree? I look around, I see a lot of Christians where I'm like, man, I know you say you're a Christian, but, but you're not doing what the Bible says, right? And if you really love God's word, we will do it, right? If we're going to see any change in our country, I think it's going to take us as Christians to stand firmly, unashamed on the word of God. Amen? Amen. So, we got to see God's word correctly. And in that opening passage, James, I believe, tells us three ways to do this. So this is my main point. I didn't give you a, a blank for that on your bulletin, so you'll just have to write it in. But here's my main point. It's very, very easy, and it rhymes, all right? Accept, apply, live by, all right? Say that with me. Accept, apply, live by, all right? These are the three ways in which I think that we can see God's word correctly. So if you don't mind, I'm going to pray for us really quickly, and then we'll dive in, and uh, we'll get going, all right? So let's bow our heads. God, we thank you so much. We, we stand before you today, Lord, as, as, uh, as humbly as we can, and we realize that we can never give back to you the way that you've given to us, Lord, uh, with, the, with the death of your son on a cross, Lord, that sacrifice he paid for us. So we are eternally grateful. God, I just pray for everybody in this room. I pray for myself as we discuss this topic today. And the biggest thing that I hope we get out of this is that we can have an accurate view of your word. And not only that, God, that we can live out your word that we can accept it, we can apply it, and we can live by it. So Lord, just be with us. Give us ears to hear your word. We love you, God, and we thank you. And we pray this in your name. And all of God's children said, amen. amen. All right. Point number one. Point number one is accept God's word. A uh, little, um, I don't want to spoil the surprise for you, but the whole main point is uh, every, every blank on your bulletin. So, all right. So point number one, accept God's word. Let me reread to you. These are verses 19 to 21. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. We've all heard verse 19 before. You've heard the, uh, the slogan before that God gave us, uh, we're slow to speak, slow to anger, right? Or quick to listen, slow to speak. God gave us two ears and only one mouth, right? So we should listen more than we talk. But I want to focus on this word anger here. I look around and uh, I think you would all agree with me. I see a lot of anger nowadays. Do you guys agree? I see it. Man, don't get on social media. Tons of anger. In fact, I'm convinced that if I went to the mall right now, I could just say certain words that would cause anger right away, okay? Now, I'm going to say these words, but I don't want any reaction from you guys, okay? All right? If I, let's just say I went to Polaris and I just said the word Trump, like it would, there would be anger, okay? If I went to the word and said, the mall and I said Biden, like there would be tons of anger. If I went and I said Disney, even some people are like, mm, I canceled that subscription, all right? Some people, if I said inflation, if I said gas prices, oh, Lord, I remember. I was telling, I read an article where it said, you guys ever heard of the Babylon Bee before? You should, you should check it out. It's a great, it's a satirical website, but it said in the article, it says, man tells his friend back in the day when gas was only $2, and he's only one year older than the other guy, right? <laughs> so it's just funny. Um, but certain words, gas prices, inflation, here's a word that would get a lot of us in this room angry, uh, Michigan, right? Does that get, us, that get you angry? Anybody? It gets me angry. Man, jeez. So upset. All right. 
Anyways, you want to know what makes me the most angry, though? The most angry is when I'm in my car, and I'm getting ready to leave, and I reach back for my seatbelt, and it's like, do you know what I'm talking about? When it, like, locks up on you, and I go, it, it, like, it makes me doubt my religion. I go, Lord, why? Why would you put me through this trial? And then I got to pray afterwards for forgiveness. But it's like, it's the most annoying thing to me, right? And it's so easy nowadays to be angry. So why does James tell us to be slow to anger? Why does he tell us to be slow to anger? He gives us the answer in verse 20. He says, because human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Guys, you can't grow in your relationship with God if you have anger in your heart. It's just the reality of it. James is telling us that if we, need to, if we want to accept God's word, the first thing we got to do is we got to get rid of this anger, okay? Um, and, and, you know, if you read through this, you, you realize it's not just anger, right, that, that stops you from accepting God's word. It's true of all sin. It's true of all sin, right? Where you guys know this. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve fell. It's called the, the fall of man, right? And sin has now entered in. And because of, this, because of the fall, every person now has a sinful nature, meaning that every person will sin. Every person will, will I mean, they have sinned and they will sin. All of us saints in this room will sin probably today, right? This is the reality of it. We all have sin as long as we lived in these, live in these corrupted bodies. Now, if, you, if you're familiar with Galatians 5, it's, it's a very well-known passage of Scripture that talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Now, the fruits of the Spirit, uh, in the same way that an apple tree bears apples, right? That's the fruit that it bears. We as Christians are to bear certain characteristics, and this is what the fruits of the Spirit are. Uh, it says in Galatians, this is what Paul tells us. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you are a Christian, this is the fruit, right? That we should be seeing these things. If you claim to be a Christian and I see none of those things, then I kind of doubt you're a Christian. In the same way that an apple tree says, hey, I'm an apple tree, but it's bearing bananas. I'm like, you're not, a, you're not an apple tree, right? This is, this is the reality, right? I want to focus on this self-control for a minute, okay? Self-control is a big one, all right? And here is how I define self-control. It is the ability to control yourself, all right? Very deep, very deep, okay? <laughs> but it is the ability to control yourself. Now, I have a confession to make, all right? I don't, I, I, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I love Black Friday, okay? Any fans of Black Friday in here? Okay, whatever. So, so Black Friday is the day after Thanksgiving. This is the day when people go and they, they go to the store and it's crazy. Listen, they go because of all the specials, right? I don't like Black Friday because of the specials. I like Black Friday because of the videos of people fighting at the stores that I get to see on YouTube afterwards. Okay, this is a confession time, okay? I'm not, I'm not proud of this, all right? Um, let me show you a picture. Okay, this is, this is the, kind of the gist of Black Friday here, right? I mean, look at these TVs. They're 49-inch televisions. This is crazy, right? Now, here, I found a funny quote about Black Friday. I think you guys will appreciate this. Check this out. Black Friday, because only in America people trample others for sales exactly one day after being thankful for what they already have. <laughs> Isn't that great? I'd never thought of it before. I was like, man, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And they're out. Oh, it's crazy. I once saw a child pick a toy off of a shelf, and this, this older lady come over and snatch the toy from the child. And then the child's mother came over and snatched the toy, the toy back from that lady, and then they got into a scuffle. And I'm just sitting there like, yes, eating my popcorn. <laughs> and, and, I, and you think it's bad. Guys, with inflation as bad as it is, 
those sale prices are going to be crazy. It, I can't wait for the YouTube videos. It's going to be great, all right? But here's the thing. In these videos, there's a lack of self-control. I have a lack of self-control because I can't stop watching them. But Galatians 5 tells us that one of the proofs of being a Christian is self-control. Now, self-control means that with the power of the Holy Spirit, like we don't do this ourselves. We know this, right? Like as Christians, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We don't do anything on our own strength. It's the strength of the Holy Spirit, okay? This means with the power of the Holy Spirit, you should be able to show some self-control, okay? You should be able to control the anger that wells up inside of you when somebody cuts you off in traffic. Amen. You should be able to control the anger when your seatbelt gets stuck, all right? You should be able to control your lustful thoughts and action when an attractive person walks past you, all right? I've heard people say this before. They're just like, well, I was born this way, right? And I'm like, well, we were all born sinners, And God doesn't tell us to stay sinners, right? We fight against this, okay? You should be able to control the words that come out of your mouth. You should be able to. James is telling us that when we lose self-control of our sinful nature, we cannot receive God's word. It is something that stands in front of you from hearing from God, okay? I always tell people this. People who are struggling when they're like, I'm not hearing from God. I'm just not feeling close to God. I'm like, you got to get rid of that sin that's in between you and God. There's stuff in between you, right? So here's a question I want to ask you. Are there sins in your life that are preventing you from accepting God's word? You don't have to answer that out loud. (laughs) Are there sins in your life that are preventing you from from accepting God's word? Okay, if that's anger, you got to get rid of it. If it's lust, you got to get rid of it. If it's greediness, if it's whatever, gossip, whatever it is, you got to get rid of it first to accept God's word in your life. Let me ask you another question. Has anybody in here ever rejected God's word because he didn't like what it said? All right, I've done it. Like, there's been times, sometimes I'm listening and I'm reading my Bible and I see the instruction that God has given me and I go, I don't like that. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like that one bit, right? And it gets me upset, right? And I can imagine that everybody in this room has been sitting during a church service, whether it's Pastor Frank or Pastor Scott, and they say something and you go, he's looking directly at me. He's preaching directly to me. Oh my goodness, how does he know? How does he know? Somebody told him. Somebody told him my sin, right? It makes you uncomfortable. Maybe the passage that they're, pre- that they're preaching from is dealing with a sin that you are specifically dealing with. And here's the thing. If it's uncomfortable, great. That means the Holy Spirit is talking to you. That means the Holy Spirit's like, wake up, all right? The Holy Spirit might be trying to speak to you and telling you to change some things. But like I said, I don't know if you're like me, but I don't always like to be told what to do. Okay. I'm a firstborn. I don't like to be told what to do. All right. Sometimes I don't want people giving me instruction. It makes me angry sometimes. Sometimes I'm perfectly content with how I'm doing it. I'll give you an example of this. One day I was playing baseball with my dad and he was trying to teach me how to pitch right. And so he was playing catcher. I was pitcher. And so I was like, all right, here we go. So I, I threw it and my dad goes, pretty good. Uh, raise it up a little bit. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I did it again. I was like, that was a good pitch. And he goes, eh, it was all right. I'm a little low. And I'm like, okay. And then I threw it again, and I was like, what, what about that one? He was like, your form was terrible. And I was losing my mind. I was like, okay, come on. I'm, I'm nine. Okay, calm down. So then, right as I'm getting ready to pitch this ball, um, my mom steps out, and she just goes, hey, guys, dinner's ready. And unbeknownst to I didn't know she was coming out. So my dad stands up, and he's like, we'll be right in. At this point, I had already began my pitch, okay? And, and, I, and I, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to show him. I'm going to pitch this the fastest I've ever pitched it. I'm going to show this guy. So I threw it as fast as I could as he was standing up waving to my mom. And guys, I'll stand over here. It hit him right on the inner leg, right there. Have you guys ever heard the sound of a baseball hitting a chunk of flesh that fast before? It was just like a, 
<laughs> it was really nasty. It looked like he had this big, like, uh, plum on the inside of his leg. And my dad falls down, and I'm trying not to laugh. I don't do good when people get injured. Like, it's funny to me. And so, so my mom's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I mean, it, it happened. I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry, you know? So, but here's the thing. He was giving me all this instruction. I didn't like it. I didn't like it one bit. And I wasn't accepting his instruction because it upset me. So, just to kind of wrap up this first point here, um, if there's any sin in your life that's stopping you from accepting God's word, you need to remove that sin. And secondly, if God is trying to tell you something, accept it. Don't get angry about it. Remember, God doesn't make these rules just to keep us in bondage. He's given us these rules to, to make us free, okay? And if you follow God into this holy living, it, it, it will be better, all right? So that's point number one is accept God's word. Here's point number two is apply God's word. Apply God's word. Let's read verses 22 to 25. It says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away into the... I'm sorry. He looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So, after we accept God's word, we need to apply God's word. And the way that we apply God's word is, wait for it, by doing it, okay? This, should, I, this shouldn't be super revolutionary. It's not enough to only hear God's word. James tells us that we're not only to hear it, but we are to do what it says. Turn your neighbor and say, do the word of God. Go ahead, just say that, right? Like, this is, uh, we're really good at this. We're really good at hearing. It's, it's the follow-through that's tough. Imagine, just imagine, okay, that Pastor Frank came up to me during the week, and he was like, Matt, your job performance is terrible. All right, we're imagining here, okay, all right? He says, your job performance is terrible. And I go, why? Well, Pastor Frank, give me more information. And he goes, well, you need to do this. You need to change this. You need to change this. And I go, okay, I want to do that, all right, because I don't want to get fired. And, and for the record, it's only a matter of time before I get fired, just, just, just what, I am surprised it's been this long, all right? But, but let's say he tells me these three things, and I go, okay, I can do these. I, I hear you. I'm going to do it. And then, and then a week later, he comes up, and he goes, Matt, you didn't do any of those things I said. But I go, yeah, but I listened. I listened to what you told me to do. He goes, but you didn't do it. I'm like, yeah, but I listened, right? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. You can listen all you want, and this is what James talks about. We are to be hearers and doers of the word. And the reality is that so many Christians are great at hearing God's word, but they fail at applying it to their lives. We know this is true. Guys, I struggle with this, right? I mean, there are Christians that are so good. We come to church every week. We listen to sermons. Sometimes we go home and listen to sermons by other churches, all right? And then they're part of Bible studies where they're learning God's word, but sadly, that's as far as it goes. It doesn't mean anything to know the word of God but not apply it to your life. Do you know who that sounds like? The Pharisees, right? The Pharisees knew the Bible better than anybody. And did Jesus have kind words for the Pharisees? Nope. <laughs> he was pretty, pretty straightforward with them, right? And this is the reality of it. It's, it's bad to not do the word of God. It's worse to know the word of God and not do the word of God, right? It's worse, because we, we should know better, right? James uses the illustration of someone who looks into a mirror and then forget what he looks at, all right? Let me give you one more illustration real quick. One day, um, like I haven't always been comfortable speaking in public. Uh, it took me a long time to get here, okay? And so in middle school, my, my teacher said, you're going to speak, 
in, in class. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I, I worked on this speech. I worked on it for, for hours. And finally, I get up and I go, okay, here we go. So I stand in front of everybody and I, I start reading my speech, blah, 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 blah. And as I'm reading it, I'm stuttering all over the place. And then people start laughing. And I was like, well, that's odd. I didn't tell a joke, all right? But they're laughing. And I'm like, all right, cool, we'll roll with it. And it kind of gave me some confidence. I was like, all right. So by the end of it, I was like, see, guys. And I walked away, and I felt pretty good about it. So then I went to the restroom, and I realized what they were laughing at, all right? When I walked in front of the mirror, my zipper was unzipped the whole time. And I was like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> I was like, and guys, it's given me PTSD. I check my zipper like 10 times now every time before I come up on stage. But... But I'm sitting there, and, and I'm looking in the mirror. Now, this is not a trick question. Not a trick question, okay? When I noticed that my zipper was unzipped, what do you think I did? I zipped my zipper, right? The mirror gave me the information. It says, hey, your zipper's unzipped. And I responded to what the mirror was telling me, right? Based on the information the mirror gave me. Now, how crazy would it have been if I'd looked in the mirror, saw that my zipper was unzipped, and be like, yeah, it'll be fine. And then I walk away, right? Like, it would be terrible. The mirror told me what I needed to see. This is exactly what James tells us a hearer does. In the illustration that he used, he said it's like a person looking in a mirror. The mirror in this case is God's word. It's the Bible, okay? So a mirror shows you your physical condition. The Bible shows you your spiritual condition, all right? And the Bible helps us to see things that we need to change. For instance, if you stand in front of a mirror and you see that your hair is messed up, the mirror is showing you, you need to grab a cone. Or if you got a big old chunk of food in your teeth and you see it in the mirror, the mirror is telling you, get some floss, like get, get rid of that, right? And, and, and this is exactly what the Bible does. When we look into this spiritual mirror, it's, it's telling us like, hey, there's some things you need to change, all right? It, this is going to sound crazy. I got a crazy statement for you guys, okay? But I think it'll help you remember, all right? Here's the crazy statement. Some of you here today need to zip up your spiritual zipper, all right? Maybe you'll remember that. I don't know. Maybe. Some of you here today need to zip up your spiritual zipper. You have read the Bible. The Bible is this mirror that is telling you exactly what you need to do, and it's like you're looking and you're just being like, it's fine, and then you walk away. No, we got to change. we got to change, right? There is something in your life that the Bible is telling you to change. So here's my question. Are you going to make the change, or are you going to walk away with your spiritual zipper down? You'll never forget that story. All right. <laughs> it's not enough to simply hear God's word. We have to apply it to our lives. So step one, accept God's word. Step number two is apply God's word. And finally, step number three is live by God's word. You have to live by God's word. Let me read to you verses 26 and 27 again. It says, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So this last part here, this is James. He finishes the chapter by telling us three very practical ways that we can live by God's word, all right? Watch what you say. This is what we're talking about controlling your tongue. Number two, serve others in need. And finally, number three is keep yourself unstained from the world. Let's talk about these real quick. Watch what you say. Uh, Pastor Scott talked about this a little last week, so I don't want to dive too much into it, but we have to watch what we say, all right? Let's go back to self-control. I am amazed at the lack of self-control that I see in our country today, all right? 
Just hang out in student ministry. You'll see it. <laughs> Not much self-control, right? Um, but, but this is the case even with adults, right? You go, the worst place is online. Like when you go online, you go, oh my goodness, right? I always say like people online have this courage to say stuff they would never say to a person if they were looking them in the eyes, right? There's no self-control online. And I always give this advice in youth ministry. I'll give it here. Be careful what you post online. Like people think, I remember when people used to think Snapchat went away when you sent a picture. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> they keep this stuff, right? Stuff on social media just stays around forever, right? So being a doer of the word, like we said earlier, means that we have control over the words that come out of our mouth. Your words, he talks about this, that, that like have control over your tongue. You guys realize our words should bring life. Our words should point people towards Jesus, not away from Jesus. And sadly, I've met tons of Christians. I used to work at a Christian bookstore. I was like, good Lord, the preachers were the worst. I've, I've told you this before. Like, they would, the things that they would say to us employees, I'm like, mm, you're not talking like a Christian, right? We are to point people towards Jesus. So here's my question for this first point here is, are there situations in your life where your words are pointing people away from Jesus instead of towards Jesus? We've got to speak life. The second one, serving others in need. Verse 27 tells us that we're to watch over the widows and the orphans in their distress. Do you know why James talks about looking after the widows and the orphans? I mean, there's tons of people he could have mentioned, but he says widows and orphans. It's because they have no one. Like back in these days, especially, uh, you know, when this letter was written, women didn't work outside of the home. The men were the bread earners. So if a husband were to pass away, they had no income. And obviously, it's the same with orphans. Orphans didn't have anybody, right? And so what, another way of him saying this is he's saying, hey, watch over the most needy, like the people in need. So, so James is telling us very, very straight up. He's like, listen, if you claim to be a believer, you need to watch what you're saying. You need to serve those in need, all right? He brings up these people because they are some of the most in need. Do me a favor and just turn to your neighbor and just say this phrase. It's not about you. Say that to your neighbor. <laughs> that's right. Every wife's like, that's right. Listen up. Listen up, husbands. It ain't about you. It is today. It's Father's Day. Make sure you treat the husbands nice, okay? But it's not about you, okay? Um, I, this is a very, I, I try to tell myself this often because as Christians, it's not about us, right? There are people all over the world who are in need. There's people in our neighborhoods and our communities who are in need. So my question for you is, who can you serve today? Who can you serve today? Is there someone in your neighborhood? Maybe you have a heart for, like, when he talks about orphans and stuff, guys, that, that problem has not gone away. Orphans and foster care kids, I mean, this is a huge need right now. In fact, if you... Uh, I'd like to do a little plug for my wife here. She's part of a thing called the Forgotten Initiative, which is all about helping with fostering. And, um, and so if anybody wants to ever get involved with that, come talk to me. I'll plug you in with my wife there. Um, but I, I read some stats on foster care. Listen to this. According to fostercare.org, it says there are currently over 500,000 children in the foster care system. Almost 80, listen to this, almost 80% of inmates incarcerated in our prisons have spent time in foster care. That's crazy, 80%. 40 to 50% of former foster youth become homeless within 18 months after leaving care. Only 1 to 3% of foster care kids graduate from college. They're diagnosed with PTSD at six times the general population and double the rate of veterans returning from war. Let that sink in. Veterans returning from war, uh, um, foster care kids have double the rate of PTSD. 
And then lastly, 8 out of 10, 81% foster care males have been arrested compared to 17% of their peers who were not in foster care. Guys, I know we're in America, but there are real needs out there, right? And we as the church, we need to be the one. It kills me that we've given this, this, this privilege to serve others to the government, right? Everybody thinks the government now should handle this, right? The government should do this, this, and this. No, no, no. The church should do this, right? We should be the one to reach out to these people. Our world is full of people in need, and living by God's word means serving those in need. Remember, it's not about you, okay? It's not about you. Jesus came, and the reason I know this is Jesus came and he dedicated his whole life to those in need. I always tell the students, while Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind, okay? Jesus was always thinking about others. So who are you serving? All right, finally, the last way you can live out your faith is to keep yourself unstained from the world. This is how you can live out God's word. Sadly, we're living in a time where uh, many Christians look a lot like the world around us, a lot. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, right? So why does James tell us to remain unstained from the world? What's the reason he says this? The reason is so that we can stand out. Guys, it's becoming actually easier to stand out from the culture. The culture is getting so sinful that if we just stood up for Christ, we would just easily stand out, right? So if you live like the world, you're going to look like the world. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to stand out. He wants non-believers to look at us and see something different. He wants, he wants, he wants non-believers to look at us and be like, there's something about that person. I, I, want, I want that. Like, how do they have a peace even during a tough time? How is there a joy? Like, what is it? The world is terrible right now, but there's a joy. We need to stand out. So my question here is, what do people see when they look at you? What do people see when they look at you? Do they see someone who loves Jesus? Do they see someone who looks just like the world? And here's the thing, guys. In this case, your words don't matter, right? We say this all the time. Your actions will always trump your words. So you can say you're a Christian all you want, but if your actions show that you're stained by the world, that's what people are going to see. People will ignore your words. They will follow you. They will, they will, your actions define who you are. So let me conclude by saying this, okay? And Kathy's going to come up and play as we, uh, as we conclude here. But um, I, I, wanna, I, I want us all to realize that there are two kinds of anger. You know, we talked about anger in the beginning, all right? There's, there's two kinds of anger. The first is bad anger, and then there's good anger, okay? Here's the bad anger. Bad anger is anger that makes you inactive, okay? And here's what I mean by this. You get angry, and, and, and you, you don't want to follow God, right? It's, it's an anger that focuses on yourself. I've been wronged. This person did something terrible to me. And this anger, all it does is cause inactivity. It stops you from pursuing God, right? That's bad anger, okay? The second kind of anger is a good anger, okay? And this is an anger that moves you to action. It's an anger that moves you to action. What I've noticed about myself is the more that I dive into God's word, the more angry I become over the victory the devil is having over our country right now. I read the Bible and I just go, no, the devil, come on. It moves me to action. Because here's the thing, guys, I'm angry at the devil and I want to do what I can to stop him. So what I want to do really quickly as we finish here is I want to speak to the fathers, okay? And again, I'm a dad, so I'm speaking to myself here, okay? Fathers, we should be furious and angry over what the devil is doing to our families nowadays. Do you agree? Like, we, we should have an anger in us for how the devil is infiltrating. Guys, look, we can't just sit back and allow the devil to ruin our marriages, okay? 
we can't just sit back and allow the devil to prey upon our children. It's happening. It's happening. The breakdown of the family is the reason we are where we are today in our country. That is the reason. And so if we as dads can step up and we can guard our marriages, if we can guard our children, listen, you'll never hear this in church, but I'm, telling, I'm giving you full permission. Get angry. Get angry about it, right? Anger, this anger will cause you to step up and fight for your family. So here's how we do this. We become both hearers and doers of the word. Remember, it means nothing to only hear God's word. We've got to do it. It's what you do that matters. And I'm telling you this, if your kids see you going to church all the time and they see you, you know, listening and stuff like this, but then there's no action, that's what they're going to see. They're going to see that. Dads, moms, everybody, let your children see you reading your Bible. Let them see you praying together. Let them see you serving others. Let them see you show love and grace in a time where maybe you wouldn't normally, right? We have to be doers of the word. So James wants us to see God's word correctly based on this passage. And just in review, the way we see it correctly is first to accept God's word. Number two is to apply God's word. And number three is to live by God's word. And simply put, if you don't do these things, James is telling us that you don't love God's word. So here's my plea to you today. My plea to you is that you see the Bible the way God wants you to, right? Think about this. If we as a church took seriously what the Bible said, think about what could happen. And there's proof of this. A small group of guys fell in love with Jesus Christ, fell in love with what he said. And what did they do? They changed the world. They changed the world. Let's start with Westerville, right? We'll start with Sunbury, Galena, all of these towns, right? And then let's, if we could just take scripture seriously, we could change the world as well. Let me end by telling you three quotes about God's word that I think is really good. Here's the first one. God's word never changes, but it does change us. Never try to change what the Bible is saying, okay? The Bible, we change based on what the Bible says. The second one is this. We should not, uh, I'm sorry, we can't do the will of God if we don't know the word of God you got to be in your Bibles. got to be in your Bibles. And finally, number three is we should not bend God's word to fit our lives. We must bend our lives to fit God's word. Amen.